for anyone starting a business, obviously it's going to, it's going to beat you down. And, you know, there's one great day and there's one horrible day. And I think that it just being able to power through those horrible days that really can get you, you know, where you need to get to. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. Today, I'm welcoming the show a Forbes 30 Under 30 list member for 2023 food and beverage, Griffin Spolansky. Welcome to the show. Chase, thank you for having me. Pumped to be here. I'm excited. So Griffin is the CEO and co-founder of Mezcla, a plant-based snack brand that is mixing it up with exciting flavors and textures. Griffin, what does that mean? What are you guys selling online? What are we talking about here? That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. So essentially, think, you know, Tastes like a Rice Krispie treat, functions like a protein bar. Um, I actually went to the University of Virginia, played lacrosse there. And after practice, you know, we always had protein bars, protein shakes. Uh, the bar specifically, not overly excited about a lot of the options. So that kind of got me thinking, right? Like, why can't I create something that I would want to see in the market that my friends and family would want to see in the market? So that was kind of step one. And then I actually met my co-founder in a, an entrepreneurship class at, at UVA. And she had a small granola company and was taking these cool, exciting, unique ingredients from her hometown of Mexico and actually introducing them into the granola. So we actually met up after class and came up with this idea for Mezcla where it's like, all right, let's innovate on texture. Let's innovate on ingredients and flavors. And that's how Mezcla was really born. So we're this, uh, this puff crispy bar, if you will. Well, I do love the sound of that. And I'm sure I'm going to get some of these after this. Um, all right. So. What year was what year was this? When did you meet your co-founder? When were these first conversations around potentially building a product? Yeah, gosh, uh, must have been like the fall of 2018. Okay, and how serious were you? What you know? What were what were you guys trying to do? What were the steps you were trying to take? Yeah, I mean, look, we we had no idea what we were doing, um, but we were we were pretty serious about what we were doing. We just didn't know what we were doing, honestly, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I guess just to get kind of lay out my schedule. I would have class in the morning. I would go to lacrosse and be there for probably four to five hours with like getting there beforehand, working out, playing, cooling down, all that kind of stuff. Then I would go to Coco's house. It was like 20 minutes away from the lacrosse facility. And we would work on, you know, literally trying to make bars for two or three hours. Um, and we did that probably for eight to nine months. Um, so that was kind of my schedule rinse and repeat for, for quite some time there. How did you? you know, figure out that uh, this ideation on the product, you know, the trial and error here, how did you understand that was like the next step? Well, I knew, I knew, first and foremost, I knew we needed a product. Um, so that, that was, you know, step one, if you will, like we need to get something that was actually ready for the market. The issue is we would make the bars, they would taste great. And then two weeks later, they would be rancid. So there was a lot of time in between where it was like, all right, we're kind of just sitting here waiting. And we weren't making new samples, but I think that's what took so long about the process is we make a sample, great, we think we got it. Oh no, like something actually went wrong. And, and that was what really actually ended up adding a ton to the timing actually of this whole thing. 
So it takes you about nine months to get a sample that you're happy with. What happens next? We go to a food scientist. Um, and the food scientist actually helps us commercialize this thing because again, like our, our samples were good. Um, but they left a lot to be desired. And I think that, you know, again, from an expiration date side of things, right? Like we can make something that was good and, it would, and maybe our light latest sample, I don't really remember. Maybe our latest sample would last for a month, but it definitely wouldn't last for a year or 18 months. Right. So we needed a food scientist to really help us commercialize it. And also, right. Like even if what we were making would last for 18 months, would it actually work on a commercial line? That was another issue. So the food scientist was a huge help in actually getting this thing up and running. Gotcha. So working with uh, him or her, and uh, did that allow you to get some actual samples to then kind of take to the market and test? Or you know, what was that whole strategy? Yeah. So working with with the food scientist actually helped us find. Well, I had a connection to this co manufacturer, basically someone that produces you know millions of bars every year, and through that connection, I actually found the food scientist. And the good news was this food scientist worked with this co-manufacturer all the time. So it was kind of, it was kind of like rinse and repeat, if you will, and that she helped us with the formula. She connected us with the co-man and boom, like we were kind of off to the races. We didn't have to go searching for a co-man for six months and worry that like whatever this food scientist made wouldn't actually be, wouldn't actually work in the facility because she worked at the facility for 15 years. She knew what she was making would actually work on their lines. So that was actually a pretty seamless process. Awesome. That's awesome. So how long did it, how long was it from you meeting your co-founder to you guys having these samples? Like the the food scientist, you know, mm-hmm. um, I would say that was probably like a good finalized samples from the co-man. I would say two years, maybe a year and a half. Um, yeah, a year and a half. And then I would say samples from the food scientist, maybe 12, 13 months. Awesome. So when did you start to go out and see how the market reacted to these these samples? Yeah. So that was that was about two years after me and Coco actually met. Um and it was it was a weird and crazy and scary time. Um, because we were supposed to launch the brand at Expo West. It's a big food show in March. And obviously, as we all know, uh in March of I believe twenty twenty, that's when the whole world, you know, kind of shut down because of COVID. So our plans you know, quickly shifted, if you will, because, all right, we're ready to launch this thing in March, Expo West. We're so excited. We got a booth. Okay. Two days before the show, it's canceled. All right. What are we going to do now? So we actually decided, all right, instead of, you know, trying to push into retail, like we were going to do at Expo West, let's take a few more months. Let's, we had 10,000 bars, which isn't a ton of bars, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but for us at the time it was, we had 10,000 bars. Our website's not ready. We can't push into retail yet. What are we going to do? We ended up sending out 70% of the bars uh, to influencers around the country and people loved the product. People were posting about the product. You know, we were, we had probably had 3,000 followers before we launched, right? Like there was a lot of buzz surrounding Mezcla. And I think that really helped us because when we finally launched in August, you know, day one was, was pretty awesome and pretty exciting because a lot of people already knew about the brand. So. That was kind of our ramp up to launch, if you will. Awesome. So yeah, I think especially these days, uh, a go-to-market strategy capitalizing on kind of the uh, audience that these influencers built is a great play. How did you kind of find the correct influencers to partner with? You know, were you setting up deals with each of them, or is it all just goodwill? Like, here's a bar, do your thing. Yeah. So in the beginning, before we officially launched, it was all goodwill. We're like, all right, we're just going to ship bars to a bunch of influencers, right? And what we were really concerned about was like, do the influencers that we're shipping to 
seem to care about food, health and wellness on their pages? And are they active? And, mm-hmm. and by active, I mean like active on social media, right? Like if they post once every, you know, three or four months, probably not the right influencer for us. Right? Like we need people that actually have engagement. So that's the way we thought about it. Sent out, like I said, you know, five to 7,000 bars like that. And then when we launched, I think we worked with like seven to 10 influencers and those were real paid partnerships. And you put some money behind that to really get the brand going. Awesome. Yeah. I, I would love to ask another follow-up question there. So when you're looking at the influencers that you wanted to get your product in their hands, uh, you were more concerned about fit with the audience that might like enjoy your product versus kind of clout or scale of their following? Yeah. I mean, look, I think at first, because we kind of had no idea what we were doing going into this, we also didn't really know who our target consumer was, to be honest. So we were just trying to see like, who is that person, right? Like who really likes Mezcla, right? Like who doesn't fit with Mezcla as much or care about Mezcla as much or get excited about Mezcla as much. So I would say for us at the time, it was just like, you know, who do we think is a really good, true, genuine influencer that has a really connected, you know, audience, right? And that's how we were going about it. And I think still today we have, you know, a very clear target demographic today, but it's not just like, Oh, who is, you know, the most followers, who has the most clout. It's like who really connects with their audience um, and with their followers the most, right? And I, I think that's the way we think about it. Awesome. So you build all this uh, goodwill with all these influencers. You get a lot of buzz about the product and then you actually go live. Tell me what happens. Yeah, a mix of things, actually. Um, you know, exciting because we get a lot of orders. Um, the product seems to be doing well. And then I would say a month in, we realized that you know the formula wasn't as good as it, as it should have been. Um, we actually made a mistake on the line and, you know, I literally like every night going, going to bed, I was really stressing out about this because I knew that the formula that we made six weeks prior that we were testing or two, two months or three months prior that we were testing with influencers was amazing. And then we actually finally launched with, you know, this, what should be the same formula and there was an issue with it. Um, so that was, that was a little frustrating for me and. I was like, all right, are we going to pull the bars off the market? Are we going to just keep selling them? Um, so I think that was a pretty stressful time. But what was cool and exciting was despite the formula not being as good as it should have been, people were loving the bars. People were buying the bars. We were getting a lot of traction. And pretty quickly, I think what we did realize is e-commerce for the snack bar market doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, it's really expensive. And... At least in my opinion, then and not my opinion now, it's it makes much more sense to scale a food and beverage brand, specifically a protein bar brand, at retail shelves. So we transitioned to retail pretty quickly after we launched, actually, probably six to eight months after we launched. Um, so yeah, that was really that was really how we started, how we launched this whole thing. Absolutely. So what uh, kind of was that strategy when you pivoted? Uh, was it useful to have? That sales history under your belt from going D to C to then take to uh, the buyers at these various wholesale and retail accounts. Yeah, I mean, not really. I think I think what I tried to do and what I continue to try to do is surround myself with people that are smarter than I am. Which you know, like I said in our earlier conversation, there are a lot of those people out there. And so what I did was I found a bunch of advisors that were two, three, five steps ahead of us that really understood retail, and I used them. Right to really help guide me and, and use isn't the right word. I should reframe that, but I worked with them right to help guide me through the process. And you know, some of them are still advisors today. Some of them are really close friends today. And I think they were really helpful and integral 
and helping get the brand onto retail shelves and retail ready, right? Like thinking about pricing strategy, thinking about like how big our pack size should be, thinking about velocity. I didn't even know what velocity was back in the day, right? So I think that they were they were vital. I would have had no clue what I was doing if it weren't for them. So I mean, I, and honestly, I don't know if you're going to ask them, you know, going forward, but I will say like my biggest piece of advice, I know it's an unsolicited, uh, you know, piece of uh, advice here is surround yourself with people that have done it before. I think that's been my, my biggest unlock, honestly. Hey there, Merchant. Are you tired of trying to navigate the wild world of e-commerce on your own? Are you looking for a partner to help you achieve your goals? Look no further than the Shopify Plus agency, Electric Eye. Our team has a proven track record of helping our clients make millions with strategic design and development. Whether you're migrating from a legacy platform to Shopify, designing a new theme for your store, or just looking to optimize what you already have, Electric Eye is the perfect partner for you. Electric Eye are true Shopify experts. Not only is our Shopify knowledge unparalleled, but we have partnerships with all the best tech in the Shopify ecosystem. And don't worry, we're easy to get a hold of. Our clients rave about our fast communication. So here's the deal. If you're an e-commerce business doing over $1 million a year, you can receive a complimentary Shopify diagnostic from our team of experts. That's free, personalized strategic recommendations to improve your store and grow your business. To get started, head on over to electriceye.io slash connect to schedule an intro call with one of our experts. That's electriceye.io slash connect. Hey, everybody. Today's podcast is brought to you by IntelliGems, the ultimate profit optimization tool for Shopify merchants. I'm telling you this. Obviously, you know I own an agency. We use IntelliGems when we're running split testing and CRO stuff for all of our clients. Are you looking to maximize your profits? IntelliGems offers data-driven solutions to optimize your content, prices, discounts, and shipping rates. Join over 500 happy clients who have seen significant improvements. With IntelliGems, you gain control over your e-commerce economics, boosting your profit per visitor by an astonishing 36%. But that's not all. IntelliGems users report a 54.62 increase in revenue per visitor and a remarkable rise in conversion rates. How does IntelliGems do it? through a suite of tools that allows you to A-B test everything on your Shopify store, from landing pages to product prices and shipping rates. Imagine testing new layouts, offers, even a new Shopify theme with ease. We're testing a new landing page for our client on a new theme versus an old landing page on their old theme right now. IntelliGems empowers you to find the perfect price point for your products and optimize your shipping strategy. But there's more. Boost your average order value with customized campaign offers and discover if your customers prefer free shipping or a lower list price. With over $100 million in incremental profit generated, they have over 1.5 billion transactions ran through their software. They have over 400 million shoppers that have gone through their test. IntelliGems is not a tool, it's a game changer for your business. Are you ready to transform your Shopify store's profitability? Book a demo today at IntelliGems.io. Empower your brand to reach new heights. Again, that's IntelliGems.io. IntelliGems, giving superpowers to your customer acquisition, retention, and overall profitability. As a entrepreneur and as a founder, you all you you have this like DIY ethic at times, and it sometimes can get in your way. Uh, especially when you're, you know, honestly, you need to hire the most expensive person you can afford at the time. Uh, and they make sure they have done the exact thing that you need them to do before. Uh, we've made mistakes at the agency under hiring uh, and just th thinking that people could do what we needed them to do in the future to try to save a few dollars. And that's always 
hindsight's twenty twenty. It's it's never the right thing. Yeah, but it's, it's funny, you know. Like something I've also realized too, at least recently, is you know dollars aren't always equivalent to you know work ethic, right, and success, right. Like I think that you can find someone you know that's two x the price of someone else, and the person that's you know half the price, right, could be a harder worker, maybe maybe not as experienced, right, but could actually get more results. So I think it's also dependent on like where you are as a company, what you need for the company, right? Um, I've heard stories of friends hiring some really expensive people and them being out on the golf course all day. So I mean, I think it's also very situation dependent. Absolutely. Um, now, is there anything else that I didn't ask you about today uh, that you think might resonate with our audience? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the biggest thing I would say, just like from an entrepreneurship standpoint, like I said, is obviously one, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are. I think that that's really, really important. Um, and then I guess the two other things that I would say are one, it's okay to be wrong. Um, right? Like it's okay to pivot. It's okay to be wrong. Um, it's okay for people that work with you to tell you that you're wrong. And I, I think that that's something that I learned while playing lacrosse. I was getting yelled at every day. So I was taking constructive criticism all the time. And I think that there are a lot of people, um, who don't like criticism. I think criticism, as long as it's delivered the right way is really important. So I'd say that's one thing. And the second thing is like, for anyone starting a business, obviously it's gonna, it's gonna beat you down. And, you know, there's one great day and there's one horrible day. And I think that it just being able to power through those horrible days that really can get you, you know, where you need to get to. And look, we're, we still have, have hopefully, you know, a lot of, a lot of room to run here. Um, but I think at least for me getting to this point, it's been like, I have to be able to take the punches with, you know, all the good things as well. Right. So. That would be what I would what I would say to that question. Some sage words from Griffin. Um, if I'm listening to this podcast and uh, obviously the bars sound delicious and I want to try them, what should I do? Where should I go? Uh, I would say Whole Foods, uh, Fresh Market, HEB, Amazon, our website, eatmezcla.com are all pretty good options. Um, and please, you know, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Always trying to do better and be better. So Awesome, Griffin. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks a lot, Chase. Appreciate it, man. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes. You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io. Until next time.